All right, guys, today's guest has had his head in the sports psychology game for over 10 years. I think particularly when people know that they need it or want it, but not sure what it is, actually one of the first things you do going in there is actually describing it for them um, and actually understanding is what they actually need. So what are the mental skills they need to perform? What is sports psychology and how can it help them? You know, I actually think we overcomplicate it, but it's overcomplicated because our minds are complicated. We've yeah. all got these inbuilt belief systems or, or narratives or stories we tell about ourselves. And I think what you were asking is you actually don't deep down believe you're a healthy person. Give it up for the director and co-founder, The Mind Room, Michael Inglis. Yeah. yeah. No one's ever lucky. I, mean, I think the only lucky you get in life is where you're born and then you make the rest. Stick around. It's going to be a good ride. Out of the room, mate. You might be doing a, a mara, half mara. <laughs> he does a marathon. I'm doing half quarter. How did this? One sixth. No. One seventh. Twenty-two point something. One twenty-two point one. Uh, who are you going to run? I, I think. Half. I think. I think. Young Marcus from the amazing Littlefish team might take me under his wing. Well, mate, you're about mobility this year, so I want to, you should be doing running a half. Would you agree, Dan? That my thoughts are you can you can run a half marathon off the couch, oh, but you most. can't you can't run a marathon off the couch though. You've got to what yeah. serious training. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Because you I, can do a half. You can, yeah, I feel you like can you can do it. It may not fly through, but your body will last a half a marathon. But a marathon your body game. will shut down if you're trying to attempt a marathon without doing the training. What if you did over six hours a mara? Seven hours. You <laughs> yeah. probably. So what if you dude, walked? they're packed up. No one's timing for six hours. You know, what yeah. I mean? they're going home. The organisation's gone they're home at that up. point. Yeah. <laughs> There's no finish line. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, I'm no one. I, was, I did a marathon, and I tell you what, they were nearly gone home by the time I got home. <laughs> 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 Me mum and dad, they were there. It was at the MCG, the finish. Yeah, Me mum and dad were like looking around the stands, going, to the a "Lights shit. are on. Hope he's okay." <laughs> they turned the lights on. They turned the lights on for Benny at the G. <laughs> True story. That's a sad but true story. Hey, you know what? You ticked it though. I did tick it, man, and it was one of the hardest things I've ever done 0. in my life. Point oh one percent, I reckon, yeah. of the population. Something it's like that. tough, man. I, mean, a, I was I, I was humming too until about thirty something, and then it just came crashing down like you wouldn't believe. And shouted at me cousin, my cousin. He did it in three hours, and it was his first one. Trainer, legend, man, animal. So. so it's all, it's a bit of mental and also physical. Because the body really wants to break down, doesn't it? Yeah, and, and your uh, mind's telling it, stop. And well, that's what that's what I mean by the. In my opinion, maybe our guest will be able to help us today. But mm. I, I feel like that physically, if you're mentally strong enough, physically you can get through a half marathon, right? You can shuffle your way through. Most and, most, most people. people. Yeah. I would argue, yeah, maybe yeah, most people. But it doesn't matter how mentally prepared you are. A full, if a full marathon, you have to have your physical, from my experience, right? Because I did it and I was mental, man, it's mental, dude. Like I would have kept running, there's no question, but mm. it felt like I had, and I did keep running, I got there, but I got there slow, but it felt like I had two spears running through True. my freaking legs, man. Because like you, you, you need the training, you need to have the runs on the board before Correct. you need to train. Or your body up. will break down, no but matter how. The mistake you made, you didn't train properly, did I, you? I didn't, and I'm paying for it now. I never, I, you know what I never did? I never stretched and stuff. And and that, that stretching is and and this is a crazy story, right? <laughs> you never stretch. What do I so do? You just rock up on a half marrow or whatever. And then run. without stretching, I started to work. Uh, I think it's my TFL muscle, from what I've heard. And I started at, instead of engaging my glutes and the, all the other Core. muscles and yeah. whatever, I had this like T. I've got this TFL muscle that any time I do anything excessive. A, a, a default starts to work those muscles, and then it gets crazy, 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 like it's throbbing because I've got these big yeah, muscles. I've got these overblown TFL muscles and nothing <laughs> else, man. So I'm still sure. dealing with that today, and I, I think I did my marathon in 2012, man. Oh wow! So Over a decade ago. Yeah, and I haven't run since. Just good. not what? not not as in like running, running. You know. What if there's a sport where the TL thing T is good for TFL? <laughs> I, know. I could be like in the Olympics, <laughs> yeah, like just yeah. curling and shit. But I went to. I remember. I remember. I went to a uh, a sports dude or whatever, man. And I, I went in. I thought it, people thought it was me uh, sciatica. Like I had heaps of people trying to figure out what it was. And I sit down. And this dude's like he's felt and he's gone dirty. Like he. He goes, elite athletes do not have TFL muscles like that. I could flex it, man. Wow. <laughs> I didn't even know it was there, you know. Surely, you can, surely there's something you can do for it. Well, you can, <laughs> you can, you can. So you've got to do different exercises and engage your butt and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But that takes consistency and buy-in and training training and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Enough yeah. about this. Sorry about, about this. Off, Sorry, Off Pete. the couch, half marathon. Sorry. Let's get into today's <laughs> guest. Let's get into today's guest, boys. And 
while I'm here. Welcome back to Australia's number one podcast. Mm. We are the little fish. We speak to the big fish about town. Cracking guest today, boys. Mm. Going to get right into the senses today. Yeah, we love it. Up, Ask up a few questions. Yeah. We, we could have a diagnosis on the pod today as well. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking for it. Who for? All of us. Who do you oh, reckon? Oh, essentially, all of us. The TLF. Who, who's the one that comes with all the problems? TFL. TFL. We'll get it right. <laughs> All right, guys, today's guest has had his head in the sports psychology game for over 10 years. Co-founding his own holistic business in 2012, he's been driving the well-being and high performance of AFL, rugby union, he's, at the, he's been at the AIS, mm. the mental health lead of the Soccer Players Association. Mm. If it's mental, this guy's getting a phone call, boys. Mm. Working by the philosophy that standing... Hold on, I'll start that again, Bonnie. The mind, in turn... You're in your mind. <laughs> like mind. Do you remember episode one? This girl sacks straight I feel like up, we're back man. at episode one last start of last year. Yeah, Welcome yeah. back to the podcast, <laughs> Fish Podcast. It's hard to find good help, i tell you what. <laughs> Working by the philosophy that standing the mind, his business was built on helping people of all walks of life, elite or not. Hmm. So, so, so it's not just the elite, yeah. Correct, boys. We're in the firing line today. <laughs> he tries to help them live their best lives authentically and with full vitality he's the man behind one of australia's biggest sports psychology brands give it up for the director and co-founder the mind room michael inglis yeah, yeah mickey boy thanks michael oh lovely looking, I, should, I should probably read these before i take yeah them. i know you're looking pretty sporty today actually well i actually wrote here oh did you <laughs> <laughs> that's why, that's why. <laughs> thank god you put the air conditioning up yeah yeah i know it's a bit warm <laughs> Heat it up. Is it a bit warm out there? Cracking day. It's Melbourne. nice. It's really nice. But yeah, it's warm, steamy. Beautiful Melbourne day. Where'd you come from? Uh, I live in QE. Obviously got to practice around the corner here in Collingwood, not yep. far from you guys on uh, Wellington Street. So nice little commute. 20k bike ride. Yeah, about that. Sneaky yeah. 20. Nice. Diverted by Parkfield. Yeah. So Michael, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate your time. What... um. Where did it all begin? Begin this uh, this journey of mental mental health and um, yeah, the psychology behind it all. Yeah, I, I don't know how far back I should go, but I, I actually before I actually got to the sports psych kind of world, I, I joined into different realms of psychology or community kind of work, you know, youth work and DHS and all those type of things. And then oh, yeah. I was actually doing drug and alcohol counselling at, at the in kind of the western mm. uh, local centre out there, and then. Um, I've always been really obviously interested in sport and I did a lot of sport as a kid and so on and um, to get into that next level of sports psychology you've got to go back and do a master's in it and I said yep I'm going to do this and did that from the mid 2000s whilst working Um, and then since then that point in time I've obviously really engaged that deeper and deeper as we've gone yeah yeah and it's a I guess a real passion for you that you know this side of the this side of it absolutely I think I was always passionate about people as such and how people worked and at the beginning it was more about you know dealing with people who had illness and in a lot of trouble um and really assisting them that in any way i possibly could um but obviously as you go into different realms of psychology that kind of shifts and changes so Mm -hmm. you're always seeing the whole person but it's really interesting when you go into different domains in life and going but i want to be really good at this i want to be the best at that and so on and so forth so it it kind of quite dynamic and adjusts over time Mm. You don't have to answer this, Michael, but I'm just wondering, is, is there a reason why you got into this space at the start? Um, yeah, there is. I mean, I think there's, I mean, I had a personal kind of family experience, so I think that always touches you. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think when you speak to people these days, everyone's been touched by mental health one way or another. Um, yeah, it, it impacted me intimately. Mm. Um, but, you know, I, I probably didn't know that as I was going there, to be honest, and then... Um, once I started learning more and more about psychology at uni and so on and so forth, I was like, yep, this is, this is my game. And then got to some exposure to different parts. And mm. I said, yeah, this is, I really, this engages me. And um, the relationship part, um, getting people from where they are to where they want to be was something that really, um, really engaged me in terms of I wanted to be part of that journey with them. Mm. And, and the privilege that it brings to be with them in that space is, was really significant for me. And probably really self-rewarding when you see that person get to the point where they wanted to get to. It'd be wouldn't it an achievement, or it'd make you feel really good. I can imagine. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And as, well, it's really interesting because when you you always it's always them, and that's a really crucial part of your role is you're in there with them, but it's always them. 
they've got to know, do the change. They've got to make it. So yeah. you're providing the framework for them to sort of what do they call it? The Sherpa. You're helping them up the yeah, mountain yeah, sort of thing. Yeah. It's a nice analogy. I really like it. I stole it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I still like I'll it. I'll take it though. Yeah. Yeah. Can, can I just ask a question about um, when you when you talk about um, they, you know, they getting to where they want to go. So are we talking about in your business or over your journey, in some cases it'll be, uh, it might be someone that's just got mental health issues trying to find happiness in yep. general. Yep. Or it might be uh, Cristiano Ronaldo trying to figure out how he can kick the ball straight when there's 100,000 people. So is it sort of the same? Yeah, it is. I mean, absolutely. The approach in terms of you stepping inside with them is absolutely the same. But that, that kind of domain changes. And for me, as I've gone through, I've become more and more specific to performance because that's, that's where my, my speciality, if you like, is now. Um, so I spend most of my time in that. But mm. we can't ignore that mental health is anywhere. You know, in any type of performance, and you know, a similar it. framework for yep. those sort of absolutely. Yep, like as in the way, best way I can frame it is, we're all performers to some certain degree. Mm. You guys are performing right now, mm. okay? Yeah. And they all hold particular stresses or concerns that can trigger any kind of mental health issues, um, and that can be linked to their performance, but can be unlinked as well. Um, so it's a quite a dynamic process. So I don't see it any differently um, yeah. in terms of my approach. Fascinating. Yeah, your um, so your passion for this, uh, Michael, to uh, you know, to touch people, to help people, to go on that journey with them, that's what drove you to you know start your start your business, the Mine Room, two thousand and twelve. Yeah, it did. So uh, yeah, so absolutely. Um, and that became, I think I introduced it when you asked me before. That was the that's been my baby since. And and the other extra part about that was, at that point in time. Um, I was actually started some private practice work. I was doing a few things and, and so on, but it was a pretty lonely space. Like I was renting out a room yeah. um, on my own, eight hour, nine hour days, whatever mm. that might be. And but one of my roles at that point in time, I was I was one of the AFL Players Association consultants. At that point in time, there were only three in Melbourne. If you actually think about that, wow. in <laughs> 2011, 2010, 2011, oh. um, there was three of us uh, consulting for the whole AFL space um, <laughs> for the Players Association and. There's my, other, my current business partner, Joe Mitchell, was one of the other. So was, we were two of the three and we were renting out the same space in East Melbourne and and she was able to give the credit to her. She was like, she was the one that going, what do you think about starting your own thing? I was like, don't know, I hadn't really thought about it. <laughs> and, and she's like, you know, and we could build a community and so on and so forth. And yeah, so we used to have lunch every Thursday, I think it was, and started talking about it. And then, yeah, we said, let's do it. Um, and what was really important for us was, was a couple of things, but actually providing a community for psychologists to be in as well. Mm. So there's different layers. It's different layers when we're talking about, you know, when we're talking about treating people. For us, it was also providing a, a community practice for psychologists as well um, because there's a lot of isolated people just working in different spots. Um, but where's our connection? Where's our support? Because without that, we burn out really quickly as well. Yeah. And it's probably now, it's so obvious, like, these psychologists every day, you know, trying to help these people that probably aren't there at their best. So you you're taking on a bit of negativity all day for you know five days a week. It would be hard to be try and be positive. Yeah. yeah. So to build a community to talk to each other, that's that's incredible. Yeah. So that was that was definitely joining our vision and something yeah. that we remain really proud of um, because we don't think well the the role the role isn't as fun yeah um and it it's not as long lasting if you don't have those support mechanisms around you and we can provide that yeah, yeah. amazing so mm. so you've gone out you've started it what was it like starting out was it because it sounds like you're really early you yeah know, it was yeah it know, was so. so we turned 10 in december last year so yeah well done that yeah, feels that feels big when i kind of use that number <laughs> um yeah and it was it was it was really really simple it was it was pretty um, building block stuff like got some got a space you know in Glasshouse Road I don't know if you know around the corner that little laneway beautiful mm. you know yeah, rag yeah. trade warehouse yeah, yeah. Um, be- beautiful and then we just chuck some furniture in there together <laughs> and put some antiques around and <laughs> um, certain things and it, we we began and um, we, you know we recruited a couple of people and it just went it just slowly built from there um, and you know we had some I we had some definitely some clear ideas about what we wanted to do, but the the beginning was just very humble, really, mm. um, and what we were doing, um, we, slow steps, and then it just kind of evolved quite organically, really. Were you always the uh, the Were you always operating under the Mind Room brand? 
Yeah. So from day dot, it was the mind room. Yeah, we turned that's to the amazing. mind room. Um, and that takes a bit of a shape in terms of people get relationships with you and going, well, who's the mind? Like, you know, mm-hmm. there was obviously a bit of a, a, an adoption phase from there. But yeah, really since that point in time, I've been under the mind room. And, and how, where did that come from? The, the brand or the name, the mind room? Do you uh, remember? And was it always the mind room or did you have some others that you were working with? Yeah, uh, that was completely Joe. The terms of the name and so on. Actually, Joe's got some background in marketing, so mm. that kind of she, she had smart. A, she, she it's a great it. name. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. why, that's why. That's why I ask because yeah. it's a great brand. And and I always say on these podcasts, like you just got to start there, right? Like if you yeah. if, if Jane had got that wrong, Joe. Oh, Joe. Sorry, if Joe had got that wrong, maybe you're not sitting here today because yeah. it, you know what I mean. Yeah. It wasn't a brand that was sustainable or strong enough to to last. And it's like in psych names. I I went away when she she presented that to me. I think it was. I can't remember if she presented others, but I know that was one of them for sure. And she gets to think about it and think of your own and so on. And I come out, I have nothing. Yeah. <laughs> like, I literally, actually thinking of a good name, it's really it's not cheesy in psychology, it's actually yeah. hard to do. Yeah. <laughs> well, in anything, in yeah, anything then, yeah. that, that, that hasn't been used a million times as well, you know. Half one of my favorite activities is once a month off, there's a. APS is a psych kind of membership network and once a month they send out all the jobs around Australia that you can get and there's like 60 each month or whatever and I just look at looking for the names because they're just hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> it's good entertainment. Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> people are just stretched now looking for names yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, cool. So, Michael, so you've started that and talk to us about, you know, I'm, I'm pretty interested in like you started out when this thing, this space was early, you know, mm. and even we are chatting yeah. before the pod like it still surprises you, yeah. you know, the lack of, I guess, attention in this space, even even at our really top sporting codes and, and teams and that sort of stuff. So, geez, it must have been quiet when you were starting. <laughs> if, you know, if you still think it's early yeah. or you still think it's under-resourced. Potentially. Yeah, no, it is. Um, and it's been really interesting. And obviously, if we're talking about sports psychology, which I think is where you were going yeah, then. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely built over time for sure, um, at different kind of paces and so on. But and then obviously COVID destroyed it for a couple of years. Really, it went back to its bare bones. Um, but then since COVID, it's really it's really expanded. Brisbane, two thousand thirty-two. Melbourne, two thousand and twenty-six. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's it's increased more than ever. So probably one of the other parts I do with inside the mine room is I do have we do have our sport performance team, um, which is our seven of us and. Um, like I like, there's a guy. The guys coming in now, but their first year out of uni, they I generally it's a bit technical, but they need to go and do two years of supervised practice to get the endorsement, so they can mm. use the title. Yes. So um, a lot of them come out of UQ. I supervise them for two years. They work with me to get a full time role. I supervise them through that, so they get their title at the end of the two years. Um, but I, they're getting full time roles and getting roles within sporting clubs already. Yeah, um, within funny. like six months was a guy last year. Wow. And I said, well, I laugh and go, you have no idea how lucky you are. <laughs> yeah. It took me four years to get to that point. Wow. You know, not, well, not even. Um, so that gives us a real indication of landscape mm. that we are investing much more in psychology and sport more than ever. Yeah. And, and what caused that pivot, Michael? Because you weren't going down the sports psychology road. Was there a point that you thought, let's try and tap into that or? Um, well, that was where, I mean, so... Because you're working with psychologists at the start. That's right. Yeah. So it's probably good to give a... I'll go back to go forward is the to give that landscape is... So Joe is a real expert in positive psychology and well-being. She's a clinical psychologist by trade, but that's where all her passion and work were. We knew coming in because there's the whole Medicare rebate, which came in 2007. Mm. So it was all around yeah. mental illness. Mm. And understandably yeah. so. Mental health is a... And mental illness is an issue in Australia yeah. or anywhere around the world. So the, but what happened is this massive expansion of psychologists out there to, to access, but it was all based on ill health. And yes, that's one part of the work, yeah. but what about what about a proactive approach for their health? And that's what Joe's, <clears throat> Joe's work was in. Mm-hmm. Get on the front foot, be proactive. It's why you guys go to the gym and run and so yeah. on and keep your health up. You know, how do we do that for the mind? That's what Joe was all about. So that was like a real interest area. Mm-hmm. And then there's even again is, what about performance? How do you actually use your mind to finish mm. marathons or to get to where you want to go. So how to use it as a weapon, as a mm. skill set. Mm. So suddenly we saw that these three domains in psychology and there's typically one out there and we wanted the clinical work. We understand ill health is out there and that was one part. <clears throat> we wanted the full expansion. Mm. So Joe and I represented those other two parts and that was why, that was our vision. Which- we can we can drive those and, and have we can cover those three modes. Great, great vision, well, is it, to have you know those three separate areas under one roof? Yeah. yeah. Would you yep. say? Would you say? Talk about being early. Would you say Joe's 
the, the 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 area that Joe was working in, the proactive one, yeah. I'd imagine that would have been pretty quiet. Yeah, yeah, like that would have been the hard one because it's hard enough to get people uh, reactively understanding mental health and buying in and stuff. So yeah. to to be ten years ago talking about being proactive on your mental health that no one was, you know, a lot of people were were disregarding or not acknowledging. That's right. Yeah, uh, so. I do call her the godmother. <laughs> the godmother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not grandmother. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is incredible. That just goes to show like how far she was ahead of her time, you know yeah. what I mean, which is amazing. Yeah, we really... Yeah, no, she was, absolutely. Um, and credit to her and everything that she's done in that space. Um, because, you know, I think a lot of people do that now, but she was definitely one of the first and we really connected on that level. Like, we really did. That was Our vision was always well connected um, mm. from the very beginning. Yeah. So, Michael, you work with um, high-class sporting teams and that mm. sort of stuff. What can you talk us through? Obviously, you can't drop names and all that sort of stuff, but talk us through the work that you will do with these athletes and, I guess, talk us through the benefits of, of, of you and, you know, maybe an example of, of where they start and where they want to get to and how you, how you achieve that with them. Yeah, I find <clears throat> it's a good question. I think particularly when people know that they need it or want it, but not sure what it is. Actually, one of the first things you do going in there is actually describing it for them um, and actually understanding is what they actually need. So what are the mental skills they need to perform? What is sports psychology and how can it help them? Um, but really in simple form, it's helping them focus on the right thing at the right time consistently. Mm. Yeah. And I sounds some, easy. <laughs> well, I, you kind of, yeah, exactly. It is. And I actually think we overcomplicate it, but it's overcomplicated because our minds are complicated. So that's that's the kind of that's the really interesting part. It is easy, mm. and actually one of the, the the sweetest spots you can get athletes in, and you can think about your own performances as well, um, is when you're instinctive and you're just in the moment. Flow state. Is that yeah, flow exactly. state? Yeah. Nothing else really matters, and generally it's when you perform at your best. Mm. But it's all the what's about to happen here, what's the consequences if it doesn't, what My are they going to say if I do? You know, like it's the mind that yeah, just wants to wander. Exactly. It, it complicates things a lot more than it needs to. So is that, so So if I'm a netballer mm-hmm. um, and you're working with the netballers, someone might say, just in those moments, I am just feel like I'm not really clutch, you know, yep. like I'm maybe wandering and I'm not. In I've, that sort of flow I've state, and I'm not yeah. I missed this goal. I'm the thinking team's about going to lose. So is that is would that be something that you may hear and you go, oh, okay, I've got a little project here. Yep, yep, yep. that's exactly right. So yep. and you can use like the three modes of time, you know, the past, present, future. Yeah. Our our generally our most of our thoughts that are provide anxiety or stress or tension are generally future or past. So something that's just happened or something that might happen or will happen. Um, when we can get back into the present moment, that generally anxiety subsides. Uh, so yeah. it's keeping people in the present. Yep. Stop thinking back. Stop yep. thinking forward. Because yep. it's a real thing. They they call it the ips in AFL in front of goal. Yeah. And, and it can go ips. through a team where you know, say the you know one guy misses a goal, the next guy misses a goal. Well, the pressure builds, doesn't next it? Because minute, they're all think, potentially thinking about the that. past. Yeah. yeah, thinking about yeah. the past and worried about the future. future. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's one of my actually one of my. I mean, I follow AFL. I'm in Melbourne, so of course mm. I do. And I spent some time at AFL club, and actually had the privilege actually of actually getting really good good looks at the goal kicking. But one of my pet hates of sport right now when I watch it is goal kicking because it's the only AFL school, AFL skill that has not improved yeah, in so 50 true. years. Yeah. So true. And I watch people and I watch what they do and it it drives me wild. Is that, <laughs> is that the mind? Because they've got the skill set to 100%. do it. It's just their, their oh, mind, mind can't yeah. allow them to calm. 100%. Not to say there wouldn't be technical glitches because they would have that and I think you need if you have a kicking specific coach or a forwards coach to do that there can be some technical issues there is that the once that's kind of once you've got there most of them can kick yeah. well that wouldn't be there otherwise Yeah. Um, 80% will say yeah yeah should be able to kick 80% of goals every yep. 90% maybe on the track yep. yeah. 100% has there been any scientific breakthroughs in that sort of area like with, with, with technology or just findings that you get that, that should have catapulted it or any of the other areas yeah, I mean, I, I truly, I mean, I'm, I'm biased as I say this, but I truly believe it is psychological. Okay. Um, and I think it's actually okay that ex-footballers come in and be that person. They can be the psychologist with them as long as they know what they're kind of, you can, you can there are mental skills that coaches can teach, which I think is one of the interesting parts about my role is that you actually teach another person in your organization to be the psychologist, the, the pseudo one, where you teach them the skills that have a relationship with the player who then can teach them the skills within their domain of what they're talking about. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I really like the idea 
particularly something as discreet as goal kicking, is it does have to be me coming in. I don't have to be the, the hero here, but I can definitely teach the, the goal kicking coach about what is the most important psychologically for them. Can we unpack that a little bit? So let's say we've got, you know, uh, some full forward. Let's, I'm Tom Geelong, Tom Hawkins. He needs to kick a goal after the siren, 100,000 people to win the grand final. Hmm. What would you, What's the framework or something for you to teach that that goal kicker? Yeah, what, what has he what, been taught? What's, the what's he thinking? What, what's what's he the been process thinking? he's got to do to calm and yeah. be present? Well, what I would say is the work is already done. Yeah, so if he's, <laughs> so if he's done work with you, okay, yeah, what's yeah, he yeah. doing? Where Where is he and how is he behaving, feeling, thinking? So, well, so the work has been done is he's already got a routine. He already knows exactly what he's doing. Tom Hawkins is a good example. He's a beautiful kick. He's an exception. Ben Brown's another one. Yeah. Um, so they're except- So there's the, there's the they already have the routine is one. Now, you say exactly 100,000 people grand final. You say all those things. <laughs> you're saying that because you're increasing the stress and the pressure on it, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Exactly what you're doing. Yeah. So what the, what the one thing we, we have not learned to do in a whole sporting world, I believe, actually, is we haven't learned how to increase stress on the performance or whatever they're trying to achieve. So, I mean, I can tell you what I did in my experience at AFL Club. Mm. We, could, we got earphones and did all different things that we could put over the headphones or and different ways to put them as much stress and pressure as possible to rehearse or replicate that, that scenario. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say they've already learned the routine. We've stress tested it. So it's rigorous enough. So by the time he's in September 30th, that really doesn't make much difference. So he's walking back going, well, I've done, done this all this time. I just go back to what I already know. Yeah. Yeah. So nothing has really changed. So him having that conversation with himself in his mind. I've been here. I've is done that this is that is that? But is that taking him off track in itself? Do you know what I mean? Because you're yeah. not because you're not in a fucking flow state. Then yep. you're yep. thinking about thinking about what you're thinking about. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's a fucking problem. <laughs> that's, that's right. Which is called metacognition. So the yes. The What's one, it called? Sorry, metacognition. Okay. When I we said start, yes, and as if I knew what that meant. <laughs> yeah. I, for the record, I didn't. <laughs> you start judging and assessing your thoughts, yeah. which takes you further away from the present moment. Yeah. So it becomes even more of an issue. Correct. But I would also say... And then when you try and stop yourself, and you go, stop it. And you go, oh, fuck, I just did it again. You exactly. know what I mean? Because you're just going again. Very good. You've been... You, you, I am. That's why you're <laughs> going to diagnose me today, but we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> and I, I teach this as well. Yep. To not think about something causes you to think about something. Correct. So you... you that language... But it's often... That's a very oftenly, often used language. Yeah, that's wild. Mm. Well, now's a good segue. Let's get into it. Well, let's get into it. So, let's get into it. so the, Benny the, D. The, the people at home know I play for the Valley Wolves basketball and we're very, very <laughs> serious down there. Runners up last year and we have very big plans this year to uh, to win our first flag. But so coming into the start of the season, like I'm, I'm you know, I'm 44, so I'm no spring chicken. So I know that I've got to, I've got to get off and you, I, we actually met at Body Fit. That's mm-hmm. how it all came about. So it's got I'm, TLP issue as well. So I'm, I'm pretty active and leading into the season, literally running, going to the stadium at six o'clock in the morning with the boys, like full trying to get prepared. Cause I know mentally for me, you know, I need to mentally be there, but also physically. Mm. But then what happens is I get to the game and I, I know like I've done the work. I've done it. Like there's other dudes that are just rocking up, right? Like I'm, I'm trying to do the work and I get there and I'm like, is it mental or am I not fit, right? Because I'm not able to mentally get myself or physically get myself to give 100% at every single contest because I'm thinking about conserving energy. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking about conserving energy. I don't trust or believe in, in what I've done. Mm-hmm. And I'm literally having conversations with myself, like trying to conserve energy and that. And obviously it affects the game. Yeah. So my question is, mm-hmm. is, that, that, is, that, is that mental? Because I have done the work yes. or is it maybe I, I haven't done enough work and I, I actually am not fit? Does that make sense? Good question. And I had this case scenario with some someone with an umpire actually who who was understanding if it was physical or psychological. Yeah. And I walked away with both, and I'm I'm probably going to start there with you. So we need to understand it's both. So if you're there's a reason why you're having that conversation with yourself. If am I fit enough, or do I need to conserve energy? Because there's something possibly in that. Um, but the fact that you're asking yourself the question makes it psychological already, yeah. and you're embellishing it. Yeah. Right. Because it's it's driving me mad because. I am passionate about like I really want to contribute and, and, and that's why I'm that's why I'm up at six o'clock in the morning putting the shots up, doing the run and the boys are working me. Yeah. But then I'll get on the court and I just lose complete faith in what I've done and I'm in my head the whole time and it yeah, just okay. drives me mad. Have you actually tried just going as hard as you can? No. No, and I'll tell you why as well. Mm. Because I am forty four, 
I do, I start to freak myself out because you know, when you get to that, when, you know, when you get to like your heart rate's like pumping and you really do feel like you're burning out and stuff, I start to go, oh shit, am I going to have a heart attack now? Wow. Okay. <laughs> do, you, do you know well, do you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm, I start to wig out and go, is this good? Or am I like, you know, because I feel like, I, I think I said at the start, I feel like I am pretty mentally strong. When I commit to doing mm. something, yeah. I will do it. Yeah. So for me, I'm like, where's the line of me just doing it and then I end up dead because I have a heart attack because I didn't listen to my body. <laughs> so, I mean, this is what, I mean, this is a really interesting part about my work. So people, when they think about performance work, they think about, oh, you're just helping them do stuff like on the, whatever, on the courts or whatever they're doing on the field or whatever it might be. And you can already hear in this conversation, it's gone from sports specific now we're talking about general health. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And now we're talking about health anxiety. Mm. Ooh, yeah. So, yeah, and so you can get... <laughs> we, you <laughs> yeah, know, we, digging, digging. It becomes layers and layers nice. on this. And I don't know if you want me to keep on asking questions yeah, or not. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Ask me um, some questions. You can ask me some questions. Have you had any health scares? <sighs> no. Not specific. Not that I can think of, no. Okay. I, like, something really weird happened to me once. I've never told anyone this, actually when we were at our old office and this was about five years ago now and it's the first time in my adult life or anything I was walking to my car Mm. and I I had to get down on the um, nature strip and see I was like full pin and I can't remember exactly it was like like overwhelming pins and like it was just like just cooked me and Mm. I ended up laying on the ground I thought that was it for a second Mm. and but that's the only thing it was never a health scare and I was like oh that was weird and then Mm. it's never happened again and never yeah so but nothing would would you say that in your head somewhere that maybe there's a question mark on like you don't think you're that maybe the healthiest guy yeah true yeah I drink the red bull and traditional grew up smoking when I was younger isn't something that you know you wouldn't go I've just nailed health for That's a good. That's a that's you know a fair, I mean? like that's a fair assumption, Pete. <laughs> so is his brain maybe there's a question mark, and that's what he's going right. to when you're on the basketball court, yeah. going, should yeah. I be? Yeah, because I do look at some of the other guys, and I'm like, man, he doesn't look like he's got a worry in the world. Mm. Shout out Steve-O. Me and mm. Steve are the same age, and Steve-O's just zipping up and down the court. Yeah. I'm not seeing him at six o'clock down at the bloody stadium yeah, yeah, either. Yeah. Just quietly, they they all say they're coming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But Steve-O's down there, and he's up and down the court, gets a few red cheeks, and that's about it. Yeah, I like what Pete did there. He's, basically, he's asking you, he, you've got a, we've yeah. all got these inbuilt belief systems or, or narratives or stories we tell about ourselves. And I think what you were asking is, you actually don't deep down believe you're a healthy person. Yeah. So you need your health to be able to perform, right? Yep. Mm. So it's not because you're not committed or anything like that. So there's it's, one um, or two underlying things that I need to iron out. So suddenly we're addressing <laughs> your health more than your performance because you yeah. are committed. Absolutely. I, yeah. There's no doubt about that. And you're not giving yourself the best chance unless we sort out your own relationship with, with your own health. With health, yeah. No, 100%. No, that's awesome. Okay. There you go. We, we change diet. No, fixed. it does. It does. Are we fixed? Are we right? No, we no, no, be- no. no I, I'll tell you what I can take mm. from that, right? And I can take from that is, because I do do a lot of things right, right? But Pete knows me better than anyone. There's definitely a couple of things that I don't do right. You know, I drink the Red Bull. I definitely don't eat healthily. Um I probably don't monitor, like, I don't eat enough. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can go just not eat and stuff. So, so there's little things like that, I suppose. I don't drink water. Yeah, yeah that's a problem. Which, which a few things, <laughs> if you make a few changes like that, it might alter your belief system somewhat. Yeah. And you might start to believe. And I'll actually, I'm move away work. from thinking I'm going to have a heart attack because my heart rate. Because I've had four Red Bulls during the day and now I'm going to go play basketball. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah, that's some good oh, points, uh, boys. <laughs> and, I think, and I think the other crucial thing you can do is like, you know, because sometimes, I mean, sometimes we do go through experiences, right? To say we're we're not healthy, um, so go and get checked out. Yeah. If you if it's a concern, just tick all yeah. the boxes, and if the, like there might be something, but there may not be. And that and that'd fix your belief or mm. fix or challenge your belief system. That's right. A at least bit. if you've got an expert going, you're actually pretty good. Yeah. You yeah. do a, do a full screen of health. Get your medical. Um, they'll give you the they'll give you feedback. They won't. They we won't crunch. hold it back. Yeah, yeah. Nah, there you go. Nah, sweet. I've got a clear path, boys. Yeah. Clear path. Valley Wolves. Let's go the wolves. Come on. <laughs> I was just going to go on the back of that. Is there a thing that males, we just don't like it and checked out? Like, the, my, my wife will go down to the doctors for anything. I'm like, nah, she'll be right. Don't worry about it. I, I can handle it, whatever it is. <laughs> that is, is that, an is issue. It, it is an issue. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is a, a society wide problem. And, 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 like, and I think there's, there's actually even in psychology, there's even now men based center, you know, because they want. We need to have these men-specific services to invite them for health and yeah. psychology as well. Um, and we, I know in, in my work in my spot performance with all the teams, yeah, women were always, just always come up and happy to talk about psychology so much more than, than men do, um, particularly in our performance. Um, 
even at the elite level, the, the guys the are still level. holding back. Absolutely. Incredible when they know their performance will probably be better if they open up. Yep. It's interesting. I mean, I think that's changing. I think it's changing, but it's it's still there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Could you say that Gen Y is coming through? There'll be a big shift in about a decade or two within elite sport. Yeah. Because I feel like they 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 really know it now. Yeah. Like it's more spoken about, whereas yep. our generations were all sort of closed off. Well, mental health was taboo when I was yeah, young. Yeah. So yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I did a I did a session with a elite cricket team they had a wide group of ages but the easiest group to talk to were the ones between 17 and 21 yeah mm. yeah and the guys that's, younger that's, again that's were crazy more yeah yeah the 30 pluses were yeah. no good <laughs> we're all stuffed boys You're like what are you talking <laughs> about? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm busy mate i haven't got time for this yeah 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 but i think that's evolving landscapes are changing um so i, I don't think that's that's nearly as present and you're right that in four or five years time i don't think they'll be probably present at all yeah mm. So, Michael, I'm really intrigued, like going back to the Tom Hawkins example, Tom having his routine. And like mm. you said, we're all performers, whatever mm. we're doing, whether we're on here, you could be in a client meeting, mm-hmm. you could be, you know, you could be, you could be presenting, could mm-hmm. be a keynote speak, sport. So, it's all, it, it's all there, it's all tied in and you need to perform on each, uh, on each stage. Mm. Is the crux of it getting a routine going, you know, like, you know, as obviously goes deep and we haven't got days, days to figure this mm. out, but... To, to sort of drag, you know, to talk about Tom Hawkins' routine, but really sort of, um, you know, talk about it in a, you know, in a, in a, in a way that we can all sort of benefit from it. Like, how mm. how would you explain that? What does yeah. Tom do? So yeah, in terms of associating all the different kind of performances out there. So some particular skill sets do require routines. Well, I think best require routines, like it's goal kicking, very discreet. Mm. Okay, um, so that's really useful. But I think the question you're asking. Is can we all have that those self doubt and thoughts and our mind wander elsewhere apart from what we're trying to attend to right now? Absolutely. Yeah. Like in the middle of this conversation, I'm sure all of us have minds switched to what have we what have we got after this? What time's this finishing up? Yeah. Oh, I didn't get I didn't go to the shops to get that thing for You see some of us are staring there. <laughs> Benny likes to stare in the air for me. No shit, as you said that I was trying to blow a bit of shit off me. <laughs> 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 oh, no, no. So it, it's yeah, you know, even that really important meeting, we we can drift off and like, oh, are they actually listening to what I'm saying? You know, and yeah, so yeah, yeah. we all have this part of being human. We all have that ability for our minds to wander and, and not catch it and bring it back to, to what we think is most important right now, which is listening to me um, <laughs> and listening to each other and so on. So that can happen anywhere, anytime and having the ability to learn to go, that's where it is right now. Let's bring it back to what I need to do. Be focused the whole time. Yeah. yeah. I guess with the Tom Hawkins thing, it's probably as simple as just practice, 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 practice. So it just becomes part of your, your daily routine for that. Yep. Whereas I guess for... I think John Bertram touched on it with the Olympians. They went through a different routine with the SAS or something. Yeah. Was that, that what it, oh, it was? Um, they wanted to be real sleep deprived. So if they had a bad night before the race, uh, they would already re- they'd right. already done it before and they were ready for yeah. that moment. I love that. I listened to that one. Yeah. Um, How good was that episode? That. Anyone yeah. out there that hasn't watched the John Bertrand episode, do yourself yeah. a favor. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, so. Um, so what I'm getting out of all this, I think if you practice something enough, when mm. it comes to the moment, you know you've done it. You've been there and you've done that. No, but what I really liked about that because I sleep hygiene and sleep before performances is something that presents quite regularly to someone like myself. So. I always I used to talk about banking sleep. So look it over a week, not a night. So if you had a poor night's sleep beforehand, remember you got a whole bank uh, behind it. Yeah, uh, so it doesn't affect you as much. Yeah, it's good, yeah. good But yeah. what I liked about him is this kind of the catastrophization that can happen. So when something isn't you know smooth in what we think is best for part of our prep, we catastrophize that we can't perform. Mm. What they've done there is completely they've given the worst case scenario. It'll never be worse than that. Yeah. Yeah. Been no sleep at all. I think is what I heard. Yeah, yeah. And they still performed. Well, I think what I heard. Yeah. So that would have completely demystified that. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I, I really, I really like that idea. I don't know how many takers you'd get. Yeah. <laughs> in elite sport or the sports science team, by the way. Um, but yeah, it's a good idea. Because I, I even think, like, I know when I've got a big important meeting or something big the next day, you have the worst night's sleep, sleep always. Yeah. You wake up you're like, oh fuck, I'm underprepared. I don't yep. feel well. Yep. And you probably don't perform at, at you know, they don't yep. get the best version of you. So that's right. I don't know how you can practice that for a meeting or anything, but <laughs> well, yeah, but we—it's it, more about you knowing, challenging the belief that just because I had one, a poor one poor night's sleep doesn't mean I can't perform as well. 
because I've got the banks already banked it from the. But, other few so nights. is that banking psychologically? Or, because scientifically, yeah. you can't bank sleep. Is that is, is that I've read that somewhere? Like, is have they but, sort of proven that? But it's also, and this is what I like to challenge you all in all part of sports psychology or performance psychology is. You can perform. You've got the skill set, so you can perform anywhere, anytime, in any conditions. Uh, yeah, correct. Yeah, it's the, it's yeah, exactly right. It's the it's the belief system. So mm. it's so like you said, it's not catastrophizing it. Mm. It's because because of course we can all perform on average sleep. Like we all do it, mm. but we do our own heads in because it's mm. like I didn't get the sleep. I'm going to perform poorly. Mm-hmm. You know what? I didn't get sleep, but I'll still perform. Mm. Yeah. Of course, I'll still perform because I'm ready. I got I've done the work. Yeah. I got yep. the skills, and you get it done. That's right. Yeah. Yep. So, could I throw another one at you, selfishly? Yep. So, this year was it for me was about uh, self development, um, and I've got a fear. I hate public speaking, and I want to try and start doing keynotes. But there's something at the back of my head that's going, "You're not good enough. You can't do it. You're gonna, you know, you're gonna get up there. You're gonna panic, be shit." Yep. How do you overcome that? Well, no, I mean, you've chosen the hardest one. Going yeah, by public speaking. Yeah, public yeah. speaking is the number people we fear the most. Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? It's yeah. oh, is this, is this, I don't think it's strange at all. I suppose because there's a lot of faces like in front of a camera yeah. and like this doesn't bother me like, okay. in, front of, in front of millions you're right it doesn't it's a different beast even when you do tv or, or podcast yeah, yeah. but when you're in a live audience yeah the game changes yeah yeah no it's true because you got well the difference is that between the camera versus however many people because you have faces you're getting mm. interactions and feedback from faces, right? And yeah. body language. You're feeling the energy of the room. Is it up or down? Or- yeah. And sometimes people don't give very pleasant ones. <laughs> well, they're just like, it's just nondescript. So you just don't know if they're engaged. Like, you know, you, you yeah. start interpreting them. Yeah. So it's hard for you to be that speaker and not interpret too much what they're doing. Yeah. When they're throwing oranges at me, I know it's time. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a sure sign, yeah. So how's, how's, how do you overcome something? Is there a... Can, can you assist in that yeah. or, or is it... I, I've had people approach me doing... Yeah, performance work for their public speaking or whatever it might be. Mm. Look, there is. I mean, a lot of it is around overcoming the, that that judgment of like the social judgment. I mean, that's yeah. the number one. That's why we're so fearful of it. And because that's the ego popping up, probably trying to hundred percent. Yeah, and we're putting a lot of value in what other people think of us. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, so if you devalue that a bit and just yeah, it gives you the confidence. But I think obviously, I mean, I don't know what you want to be a keynote speaker about, but also when you said I'm not good, I think I'm not good enough. I don't know enough to know that is, yeah, what am I an expert in? Mm. And having that and making sure that you do know, do you have the, you know, get the skill set to have the knowledge base? Mm. Yeah, what are you an expert in, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> she talking. <laughs> Mate. Mate. Both of us, are. <laughs> yeah. come on. <laughs> yeah, but make sure you make sure you do know your stuff. <laughs> people ask good questions. I mean, yeah. you know, you guys could be, I mean, I've got to be prepared. You guys ask me good questions today that I may not know about. Yeah, yeah. And I'll start sweating and you'll see it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll have to start using, you know, the own kind of practice techniques to get through it. Yeah. So knowing it's not enough, right? Yeah, not, having the knowledge is just not enough. You oh. you got to live it. You got to. You, it's got to rep- become repetitious oh. and yep. and instill it. And I, I'm really into psychology, but particularly sports psychology. Um, is knowing the knowing the the material, the theory, and so on and so forth. That that's not the difficult part. Putting into their context and their practice, right. be able to answer their difficult questions and the stories that they have with that is the most. That's the that's the skill. Mm. You know yep. the theories. Yeah. The theory. The theory's there, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So, let's go to the sports then. Like, we're Australia. We, we, we love our sport, especially at our elite level. Yeah, being in a national team, we've got to be the best. Mm-hmm. Do all of our national teams have sports psychology? The national, not all of them, not that all the teams do, but national organisations probably do. The AIS. Yes, yeah, so, oh, yeah, so AIS. The, the AFL, not necessarily all the teams. I'm yeah. thinking like even when we go Olympics or World Cups or Swimming things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So the, ones that, the ones that don't that stick to mind, like our national teams, we think about it like Socceroos, mm. you know, which would surprise a lot of people. They don't have one. Oh, they don't have one? No. Oh, they what? don't. What do you mean? Wow. They've got a, there's psychologists involved in Football Australia that might be, Helping them develop, but they would they wouldn't have a team specific psychologist. And what's what, the what's like? Yeah, what's the go with that? Because they because they can employ one. They could. They've got the money. They could. Yeah. So, 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 they, so don't, they don't believe. They don't rate it. Uh, no, I think they've got they've got people in football Australia who they've got psychologists, sports psychologists working there. They've got a they've got a head of who I know um, who might be working with them or guiding them, but they would have them in their clubs and their teams. And you've got to remember football uh, is a sport where oh, it's everywhere around the world. They're not together one time, uh, yeah. but you know, um, but they don't, they don't 
bring them together with a psychologist. And it's kind of relationship-based somewhat as well. That's exactly. where you, Yeah, so you get the most when you've got that relationship. So the, the relationship would be with their team doctors yeah. opposed to the, when they meet up for the Australian team. That makes a bit more sense. Oh, yeah. I, I disagree. I still think going into a World Cup campaign, I'd be thinking a few months out, yeah. they're going to employ someone yeah. and the team's already together at camp. Yeah. You'd start implementing... Yeah. Getting ready for that moment in yeah. the World Cup, so when but wouldn't you time work- to kick the goal, yep. you're going to do a Tommy Hawkins and kick it. <laughs> but wouldn't you? Wouldn't you think though that those guys that make the eleven or whatever in the team, they're the one percent of the one percent, yeah. and they're looking after Still their mental health. Are made. Made. Look they, at but, the World Cup but final, they, but they would have their own personal sort of psychologist that they would be working with. I would argue. Oh, and to be yeah. fair, they do you know what I mean? That's right. And and they'd be paying big dollars. You know, you think about LeBron, who you know, obviously he broke that record mm. and stuff. But there's things that go around where LeBron mm. at 38. Mm. To be able to move and do what he still does today, mm. he would invest himself, I would imagine, yeah. some serious dough into sports psychology, man. Yeah. Yep. And you're right. They Some would like to particularly have their personal one. Yep. Um, some people who are from their club or their team. Um, so there's different ways I go about it. Or they might be working with someone with Football Australia um, who's heading it. So yeah. okay. there's different possibilities as opposed to the team one as such. Yeah. yeah. Any, other, any other sporting teams that mightn't? Yeah, like some of like the Wallabies would be another one. Wallabies don't. don't. No. Um, Might explain a few things. (laughs) 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 I think actually think we're going to go right at the next World Cup, apparently. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a, yeah. So, but again, there might be ones in their teams or clubs or whatever they might be. Um, Or there might be some of the coach users that the coach has on board or alongside of them or something like that to help. So then the coach becomes that psychologist kind of model as I was speaking about before. But no, not every every single one. Um, Because you think then the coach would need one too. Well, to, to lead his troops, it like because he's going to be under pressure. Oh, I, look, yeah, I've I've got think this is one of the growth areas in psychology or sports psychology is the coaching work because I just think as we're seeing, I think we see a lot in AFL, don't we? With it's where it's a the fishbowl, but mm. I think in other sports as well, they carry a lot, don't yeah. they? And they feel like they've got to hold a lot. Um, I think them having their confidant is is really crucial, um, and they've just got their they've got the the landscape in the respect of the players mm. so much in terms of their voice. Um, they don't... Teaching them skills is, I think, significant in terms of impact it can have. Yeah. Mm. And it, that goes to business, like the, the CEO or the boss. Like, they've always... They always need help because they're taking on all the stress mm. at once yeah. and then trying to have the facade of, yep, I'm good, I'm feeling okay. Yep. But behind the scenes, you're rat shit. You're not sleeping, you're yep. stressed, blah, blah, blah. And, Which is like a coach. Yeah. And 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 also, okay, you got all this coming to you. Someone just saying to them, what is most important? Mm. You know, right now. Someone just reminding them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You, need, get, you just get caught in the yeah, weeds. You, do. yeah, yeah. Yeah. you can't see the forest through the trees. Sort yeah. Of thing. yeah. 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 Hey, can I, can I just sort of back back? I just want to go back to the mind room again. And mm. um, just you and Joe, when you were setting that up, can you talk to us? Can you tell us what, you know, maybe what the biggest challenge that you guys had and then maybe how you were able to sort of combat it and keep moving forward? Yeah. So the biggest challenge I think is, was growth, uh, you know, amazingly enough, which kind of people go, how's that a problem? Growth is good, right? <laughs> um, but there's been definitely periods of times of growth where we weren't ready for it, didn't have the resources for it and kind of caught left, if you like, and had to really speed up and so on and so forth. And I think as you guys might understand in business, because you, you've got your own is, and particularly small businesses like that, that equation of resourcing ahead for growth, so you're always ready for it, mm. versus um, getting the work in and then growing and yeah. then resourcing. It's that constant equation, isn't it? Like, yeah. you know, mm. um, and so we spent too many years, kept on getting work came in, then growth, or then resource, where now in the last few years, we've kind of gone resource, 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 because it's always going to happen. You know, it was yeah. like the trust mm. was there um, and then kind of grow into it. So you started to believe that you were going to achieve these targets and stuff because yeah. that's why you do the opposite, isn't it? You're like, okay, these are our targets, but there's there's an underlying concern or the uncertainty whether you're gonna you're yeah. sort of gonna hit them. Yeah. Well, there was a there was the other the trigger point for us was Joe and I got to a point in 2019. I think it's four years ago now. So about this time actually, where um, we said we can't manage this ourselves. So we were pretty good at. I mean, we're psychologists trying to be business people <laughs> and we kind of did okay, you know, for what we what we had on the spot. But that was four years ago. We said, you know what? We can't. This is beyond us now. We don't have the skills for this. We need to bring people in. And that's when we got a CEO, you know, operations manager, clinical manager, and just had a management team and someone heading it to run the business. Cause, mm. um, and then that's, that's just taken to a whole new level. So then instead of us like making those on-the-spot decisions, mm. 
our CEO gives us the information to make those decisions now. So it's a much more robust yeah. organization. And did you get that right, the CEO? Because I, I think, yeah, that move's a big move and, and it's it's critical that you get the right person. So how did you yep. find that person? You got it right? Yeah. First time? It, yeah, absolutely. So it's still the same person. Um, absolutely. She's been terrific. Um, and she's exactly what we need at that point in time. Cause she, and she has the skills to what we needed to make it um, everything that we wanted it to be, like well-organized, robust, you know, all the all the all the... Um, I's dotted, T's crossed and so on and so forth. So um, she's been terrific in bringing up to speed in that sense, highly relational. So she fits really well in terms of like very person orientated. So that kind of fits our culture really well. Nice. Mm. Can I throw a curveball? If she leaves, what happens? Like I've just, because this is something I always think about our business. If we bring someone in and you, you trust, you give them everything, show them the business yep. and then they leave you. I, I might, like I, th- well, I think their legacy has been left with what they've, Remain so the the handover. What I would my expectation is, and I actually believe this to be true, is if she left tomorrow, all that work is still in play and oh, really useful. Yeah. That some Systems. the next person can kind of come in on, and but and I expect her to in some ways because I know she's wanting to grow in her own profession, and we need to respect that too, right? So yeah, yeah. Um, I would expect that will happen one day, and that's actually okay. Yeah. Um, good the, position to be in. Yeah, yeah. Because all her work's still there, there yeah. so the imprint's there. Yeah. Um. And there'll be other ideas that will come in. So, you know, I think there can be, everyone can win in that situation. We, yeah. we often talk about um, some of the big guys that we have on, the big business guys, they always talk about locking their best players down by, you know, they, they do equity sort of mm. um, structure up sort of a way where they can end up with some equity. Is that mm. something that you guys have thought about? Yeah, yeah. To, to stop that phone call yes. that Dan's talking <laughs> yeah. about. Or yeah. the email you get, you're like, oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we actually changed to a company structure last year. So, yeah, that was in preparation for that. Yeah, nice. Um, to take it to, to the next level and, and so on. So, yeah, our vision is if this is going to be longer term, um, which is what we're hoping it to be, um, that, yeah, we can have that. Yeah, that's amazing. Michael, question. Um, obviously, the mine room and, and, you know, we're talking about elite sportsmen and sportswomen. You know, which is, you know, which is fantastic. But let's take it down to the, the average punter, the average Joe. Like mm. I, you know, when I read that in the intro, that really sort of, really sort of stuck with me. Mm. Uh, you know, like what, what does the mine room provide? And you know, give yourself a bit of a wrap. Let's <laughs> let, let's hear about the mine room and yeah. and what it does for the average punter and that proactive sort of activity. Like what would someone like a Dan walking down the street going, I'm going to go to the mine room because I think there's 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 room for me to grow like what yep. what could he expect yeah i think um for someone like if that's the kind of life is that what we're kind of talking about just yeah, general life just, just life yeah. yeah yeah so um we've kind of got a good coaching arm of our business as well so for kind of that kind of work in terms of what are your areas or domains of life that you're looking to focus on or improve or possibly dissatisfied with and so on and so forth that doesn't necessarily mean you've got a mental health issue or mental illness or anything like that i think general just to be happier even. yeah yeah but yeah, I think yeah. there's a there's an acknowledgement that there's room for that, right? Yeah. So there's got to be a yeah. self awareness. Yes. Yeah, like it's kind of funny we're talking about the physical check. You know, I'm actually quite I'm quite curious about developing the psychological or the well being check, mm. and we could actually do that, and and that would be rare, but that would happen um, possibly at times. But I think there's real growth for the well being check about what well, am I happy? You know, yeah. so how do how I? How happy am I? Yeah, one how, to ten. How, how can you measure it? Yeah. One to yeah. ten. Yeah, are there, is there frameworks? There's tools and yep. measures out there. Absolutely, there are measures. Oh, I'd love to do they that. They need to be complemented by conversation, of course. Yeah. Yep. Um, you never just go by the measure, but yeah, there absolutely there are measures. Um, and we take a couple of sessions just to kind of interview you and talk talk that through with you. But so you can sit there and go. Look, I think I'm happy, but I'm not 100 percent sure. And then you come in, you be vulnerable, you go through yeah. the framework and stuff, yeah. and you come back and go, you know what, man. Yep. You're not as happy as you think you are. <laughs> is, that, I, is that a sort of? I would probably reframe that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A little, yeah, like, fuck. Yeah. 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 And take this to Susie at the front. She'll fix you yeah. up. Yeah. 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 No. But I think you could definitely present the data and go, "What does this look like to you? What are yeah. your takeaways? You know, uh, of where would you? Where do you think there's areas for growth? Mm. So on and so forth." Yeah. Which is probably how I'd find yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> and and what about kids? Because when you said PK as well, it, it mm. stuck with you. My first thing, because I've got three young kids, and um, and mental health with kids these days is massive, and it's huge. And I, the thing that I love about it is not that the issues obviously is that when I was coming up as a kid, it wasn't even a discussion, right? You're either a good kid or you're a bad kid. You know what I mean? And, and that's scary I, in itself, isn't it? Play yeah, a game, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'll play a game at home. Guess which one I was. You know what I mean? But 
these days now, it's a, you know the in the way that information is being able to shared because of legends like yourself and yeah. businesses like yours and Joe's. Now we can start to really understand kids individually instead of yeah. blanketly. Are you guys involved with uh, much with kids? Uh, depends on how 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 old do you mean when you say kids? Okay, so I've got uh, so say thirteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thirteen would be okay. Like we're generally adolescent adults, so okay, so thirteen teenagers. minimum. Yeah, okay, yeah. so but not the younger kids coming through because because they they are like. Um, which which was sort of shocking to me. Like I didn't you didn't realize it, but it was starting once I started to you know take the kids to school and you start to hear about the other yeah, kids and you start yeah. to see it's crazy how yeah. many of these really young five six seven eight year olds yeah. who are dealing with you know anxieties and and mental health and stuff. So yeah, I mean, yeah. well, I mean, what I would highlight is I'm not no any close to a child psychologist, but a lot of time at that age, and I've which I have worked with a couple of junior athletes that are younger than thirteen, like 10, 11, 12, and so on and so forth. A lot of the work is what you do with the parents. You know, anyway, yeah. so um, in particularly young athletes, but even young people, you actually are working with the parents. Yes, their child psychology will have specific skills for that kind of work and so on and so forth, like generally kind of play theory. Um, but a lot of time you are working with the parents as well. Because it's the, it's the environment they live in, which yep. is what they probably project. Yep. Yeah. That- and responding to Spot whatever. So easy kind of quite to is like most, most kids have some sort of anxiety in their childhood of some sort well it's like if a toy gets taken off of you when you're three you're, you're anxious give me yeah. my toy back yeah yeah or first day of school well, or, first day, yeah, well yeah. another way is like a tool i've got i've got maybe an example like let's say you've got a kid that um that that hates noise right they get like they get anxieties or whatever from noise mm. and and the typical thing as a parent the default setting as a parent is to remove them from the noise right and then you remove them from the noise and you think you're sort of protecting him. But from what I've read and learned and understood is that you're actually fucking him over, right? Because they need to be able to learn to exist with the noise. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? And so that's about... Get used to it. Yeah, so that's about mm-hmm. teaching the parents the, to different way instead of just removing them from the noise, yep. finding tools and stuff that you can keep them in the noise that they can cope with the noise so that they, they feel comfortable live. with it. Because in the past, again, going back to the way the information shared, back in the day, that's how it was. We remove mm-hmm. them from the noise mm-hmm. and then they don't have the resilience, the skills, the knowledge to then once the parents pass on or they grow up, they don't have that to sort of go through mm. and then result in these mental health issues that we're yeah. talking about. Is that sort That's of... 100% right. So what we're talking about now is the environment. So um, how, how we hold them, how we respond to them or the environment we keep with them is really significant in that, which is similar. And this is the interesting part about when we talk about the, the clinical to, to sport is same within sport and our work with coaches and staff, right? They hold the environment that they athletes come into. Yeah. So how we respond to them and how we kind of place and hold that environment is crucially important to their a their mental health, but b in terms of how they can potentially perform. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it sounds great. like when you're talking about the coaches, the parents, all that sort of stuff, it's it's finding that um yeah controlling that environment and the person who controls that environment. If we can get to them and yep. yeah. and and yeah. they've got the knowledge and the coping mechanisms, they're gonna. They're going to have good influence. So it's top down. So it's a top. It's a top down effect. Yeah. And that's the. And that's the. I think the development I'd like to see happen more in sport. We're going to go from Michael. Can you please work with these athletes? Oh yeah, yeah, you, yeah. Who are underperforming, out of form, blah blah blah. Yeah. So okay, uh, can you work with the coaching and staff to hold the best environment to help them if they are having a rough trot or if they're not responding as well as we like or whatever that might be. That wow. is, that is that is happening in some. Um, sporting teams and organisations and so on and so forth, but I think that's where I like to see the biggest growth in sports psychology. Well, that's what that makes sense. Just, yeah, that's just made me think. Your amazing club down the highway there, mm. Wertho. Shout cats. out Wertho, the player development manager. He talks about the evolution of that role, mm. and that role used to be just, "Hey, mate, what's going on? I'll, <laughs> I'll take you. I'll take you to the pub for a beer. Mm. You know, and what's going on in your life? Yeah, you're all good, sweet mate. Where where he? Yeah, it's just getting a lot deeper and. You, you can even like you can even sense I guess the resource that the club's throwing at it as well yep. to to keep these players happy and yep. um, thriving and what's yep. going on in your life and yep. you know well those like half a therapist yeah, yeah, yeah. to these boys yep. you know so it's um yep. it's interesting yeah it's sure. creating a good culture too I guess at the end of the day yeah and that's what that's and that's what good environment Isaac Smith we had on last year he, he yeah. said he, the reason he moved to Geelong was you know the culture but also they allowed him to live his life easily outside of the club yeah giving them more time it's back to the kind of investing in the person isn't it correct and then they feel like you they that you're cared for by the organization as a person first yeah, yeah. so therefore you're happy to go and perform your best you feel more connected to that place which allows you to go and perform at your best yeah so that environmental lens is huge and, and that, yeah sorry mm. and there's clear you can clearly see from 
you know, I don't want to bag it, but when he was his last few years at Hawthorne to when he came to Geelong, mm. performance went just straight up. The boys are hating this. No that's more, true. Like it, the change no of Geelong talk, PK. <laughs> the change of environment, no, yeah, yeah, it, his, his performance went straight up. It was incredible. Yep. Yep. Hey, I've got a left to center one. I don't even know if this is going to make sense. But We're back got, on the basketball. No, 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 it's not basketball. <laughs> I've got to ask. No, 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 because I... I um recently you'll remember actually shout out Lena she's a legend she bought this one to me and I remembered Jessica Watson we all remember who Jessica Watson was yeah. the youngest sailor to yeah. sail around the world yeah so I was uh, looking at a uh, what's it called something spirit true spirit yes yeah, so I was watching the the documentary true spirit mm. and all I could think about like it was blowing my mind like it's mind blowing like how is this even possible that this kid can get on a boat and then in these crazy seas and my question is around like um her psychology to be able to do that to deal with the fear you know belief loneliness all that all that kind of stuff mm. is that would you say that 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 is she's just a special she's just put together psychologically like you know does that make sense she's well, special she's different um That's- yeah sorry i don't know I, don't, I mean i know the story but i don't know her well or the background to her well but yeah i think we i think we just gotta i would take on that she's a, pers- a particular personality type you know, where she's quite ha- quite happy to be in her own space for a point of time. She's kind of sounds like she's unflappable, doesn't get ruffled very easily. Yeah. She obviously thought she had the skills to do it. Um, she obviously and you might have even had the support team around her. You know, um, so sometimes personality plays a real. I mean, I'm really big into there are a type of personalities that are good at individual sports, and there are some that are actually better in team sports. Um, and sometimes right. I don't always like <laughs> just happen. But they're athletes are good at what they're good at, and they don't get that choice. But um, yeah, there's some that are more dictated to those individual domains. Yeah, can, right. can we touch on the personality types? Mm. I believe there's, is there four, the four key ones. No, no I'm not going about type. Well, because I, I know in like for our business, my yeah. wife's down this. She does a personality type, yeah. and there's like there's four squares, yeah. and you're normally two of them. Yeah, and if one suits the other, it's probably yeah. not a good. Mix. There's a lot of different theories, um, and it's just from like 30 questions or something. This punches yeah. out like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm the, I was a back of, back of a Wheaties box type stuff. <laughs> Look at the end, and I think the with your personality, it doesn't change that much. You might change your response and behavior, behaviors from it, and so on and so forth, in, in terms of regulating how you want it to be. But personalities are pretty ingrained. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you kind of find domains that kind of match you. Yeah. So, something around the world might have really just. Be the perfect fit for her. So the per se, yeah, that's what I always wondered. It's not something that anyone could just go and try because you'd have to start with a personality that allowed you to have, yeah. to be able to, you know, communicate with your brain or, or to accept yeah. or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah that's wild. Yeah. And and I did have another question. Would you think? Because I would have thought her going into it as a parent, right? Because mm. I'll say my daughter's thirteen. I think she was sixteen at yeah, the time, 16, right? Yeah, she was. Yeah. Like as a parent, I would have thought, oh, this, this is this is this is absurd because. Even if she makes it, it may scar her mentally forever, right? You get you're out in the middle of the ocean, mm. uh, you know, and you go and watch this documentary. Like it's mm. real, man. Like she's yeah. in the middle of the ocean, dealing with the elements of Earth mm. on her own at sixteen. Mm. You make it back one way or another. Mm. Like you're left with some baggage, you know. That's that's something that I was sort of in the back of my mind. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It uh, it does. I know. I've never heard of parents talk, but I imagine they just had. They just fully embraced it. Yeah. Um, it off. They knew she had the skill set. They knew she had the person. Like she was the kind of person yeah. who could cope with it. Um, and it's what we do with our kids. You know, you know, isn't it? We kind of see them at times. We kind of go, yeah, they've got this. You know. Yeah. True. Um, or sometimes they, we know they don't, <laughs> but we go, let's give them a chance, and we'll catch them when they fall, kind of thing. You know. Yeah. Awesome, Michael. This has been an awesome chat. Mm-hmm. Awesome chat. Have you got anything to leave us with? Any advice out there for? For our amazing audience, you know, if they're looking to embark on something, looking to do a keynote speak, or oh, yes. you know, or some or something like that, win just a grand a little, final, win a grand <laughs> final, yeah, yes. come more mobile, but yeah, just a just just a nugget that that might help them sort of, you know, get into that state, step off the line, the magic, yeah. Well, I, I guess I have to give two things. Uh, you know, I, I'm talking to the whole audience right now. Mm. I mean, I think that there's a we all have a psychology within us right and um that's what i'm guess, the most proud of with what we deliver and um it doesn't have to be psychologists by the way but having mentors and supports around us is crucially important mm. if we have those people to talk to people that tell us when or know us when we don't look us look like our usual selves um although they might actually ask some really good questions having that person around you is crucial mm. um yeah. psychologists obviously have a particular skill set you can go to if you know you feel like you need but 
having that support structure and people that challenge us, question us, listen to us um, is super important no matter what that domain is. Can that be a partner? Or can, would you? It, yeah, it would. Absolutely. Can be a partner. Yeah. yeah. I think or, or would you go for your mentor? You'd probably, everyone should have some sort of mentor. Uh, why not both? Why not both? Yeah. Like there's not, a, there's not a limit here. Yeah, yeah. And But they all might have their particular role. Like your partner might, you know, talk to you about what it's like in your partnership or, or what at home. Um, the mentor is about your particular domain where mm. you want to be a better performer in. Nice. Yeah, I love it. Great, great advice. They so can be very honest, the partners. They can be very honest. They can be very well. honest with some feedback. <laughs> <laughs> two ways, Danny. <laughs> Danny doesn't miss, does she? <laughs> so, so like Michael's saying, you might have a couple. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and we'll link the mind room down down in the description if anyone wants to go and check it out. Make sure you do. And, and we do do with some relationship work, so <laughs> just for, for Dan's sake. <laughs> As he's just crossed that one yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. Off, off. Hopefully you just get a business card over yeah. there to, to Hollywood over there. <laughs> nah, Michael, thanks so much for your time. Really interesting stuff and all the me. best for the year ahead great Thank chat you. awesome Good chat. thanks man like share subscribe everyone will get value out of that Massive. everyone see you at the top awesome. <laughs>